going on, everybody? Happy Monday. My name is Moore Milo. And I'm Ross Sinarelli. And this is the 52 Podcast, 52 books, 52 weeks, making every single week count. Thank you guys so much for joining us again on the podcast. This is episode 77. Uh, for those of you that are new, thanks for checking us out. What we do here is we read a book a week and give you guys our opinions, some keynotes, what we learned. And for those of you that are returning, thank you so much for joining us yet again. This week we have read a book called Playing With Fire. And it is by Scott Rikens. Rikens, Rikens, I couldn't pronounce it for the life of me. But um, solid book. Ross, 10,000-foot view. What do you think? I was not a fan. I was, I was not a fan of this book. And we'll, we'll dive into it. But for, for a variety of different reasons, I found myself getting annoyed throughout reading the book. Um, and I think part of it is a difference in personal philosophy versus um the fire philosophy which we'll talk about which not saying that the fire philosophy and and that that way of thinking and train of thought is bad it is just something that doesn't fit my personal style what do you think more well you know that i like this book i know know who i am as a person so this this is a perfect opportunity for us to have two different perspectives on the book um, I digged it. I thought it was good. I thought uh, it, had, it was a great perspective. It was a little extreme. There's no doubt about that. They definitely went a little off the off the ra- off the uh, off the rails when it comes to frugality. But I'm super frugal as a person, and I, I totally see the value in being frugal and and like basing your spending habits off of what you truly believe is going to make you happy in life. Um, and I think that there's a balance, you know, I think that this, this book really provided a good insight into how to be frugal and how to, you know, create an opportunity to retire early and retire within a, a you know, 10 years by, you know, really, really maximizing your savings and investments. However, at the same time, they did go a little off the, off the rate, uh, off the rails. However, I still, I still liked it. I thought it was good. So tell me what you really, what, what specifically you didn't like about it. So... There were a few things. One, obviously, so we should we should talk about, you know, fire, which which they talk about is the main kind of whole point of this book, which is financial independence, retire early, I believe. Right. Financial independence, retire early. Yes, that's it. Yep. Um, so while I do believe that is a phenomenal concept, I do believe the financial independence is something that we all need to work towards to be able to, you know, break the nine to five, be able to. You know, if you want to go on a beautiful trip with your family, be able to do that. And then retiring early, being able to, you know, get out of that rat race earlier and be able to kind of do what makes you happy and, and live a more relaxing, happy life, I think could be very, you know, very, very good. The issue I had was a little bit in how it was all done. So first off, the the author in this book had made, in my opinion, very poor financial decisions. They had a household income of about uh, $130,000, I believe, which means that him well, and no, his that wife... that was after taxes. That was after taxes. It was one hundred and eighty dollars uh, before taxes, give or take. Okay, fine. So they're making, you know, let's, let's just call it, you know, $80,000-ish on average per year, okay? Give or take, going up or down. The issue I had was... A lot of the decisions, though, that were in there previously were, I think, very poor decisions. And I don't mean that in the sense of, like, made a bad decision here and there. I think most people will tell you if you were making 80000 or less a year, you probably shouldn't be spending absorbent amount of money on 
boats and, you know, your your country club kind of thing where, you know, he goes into later and with that fire system, he, he decides to get rid of that. Um, they talked about his wife as well with BMW, which more and I can tell you, um, we love BMW. It was funny to hear that she bought a three series uh, demo or loaner, even though those two words were not used. More and I both knew when we heard that. Yeah, they were what, GTs. what she bought. She spent two thousand down. She got it for around four hundred, so she kind of got a deal. Um, not as phenomenal as a deal as maybe the author believes he got, but that's also some inside perspective into more and I's past life. But my issue was is that so much was spent, in my opinion, on saving, and I have an issue. When it comes to people overly saving to get to where they want to go. And the problem is, I believe that, you know, they talk a lot about investing. They do a lot of talking about indexes, which, which I think is phenomenal, to be honest. But there was a lot of cutting expense expenses that were, in my mind, way out of left field for the normal person, even making 80 grand, that they shouldn't have done either way. That, yes, this plan helped them cut. But then also... They were kind of in this area of cutting so drastically because they were so trying to retire early that I wonder what happens when you retire. Because when you retire early, you know, it is nice to be able to relax and do your thing. But a lot of people talk about, you know, feeling unfulfilled. They, they like working for some sense of motivation or purpose or, you know, his kids. What if his kids want to go to, you know, colleges or expensive colleges? There are going to be other things that pop up in your life that are unexpected expenses that can be massive, especially when you're talking about children, that saving will not get you ready for. You know, so everything they did, if she kept her BMW for the time being versus going to a cheaper car, which they didn't really say, but I'm assuming probably $100 less a month, $150 at the most, would throw them back a year and a half. So if something so small is is affecting a year and a half of your life, if you have someone who's going, let's say your kid gets into Stanford, right? You are now, if you were not planning properly, you're putting the money in the retirement fund properly, you're set back five years, six years easy for that. So what is your plan? It's hard to get rehired after quite amount of time out of the business. For him, he was more in, you know, film and things like that. So you know, it's interesting to hear that an author from that, from the film side is doing a, a book about finances. So I don't know. I had, I had a few things that were conflicting to me, but for me, like I said, I think a lot of it came down to, I believe that people sometimes try so hard to save that there might be other ways for you to make your money. And the index fund, which you talked about was a phenomenal point that I, I don't always know if it's the best move. Long term. I don't know. That's that's just me. What do you think more? Well, listen, I come from a very different background. My background is I come from a household that saves. You know, I come from a, a one income household where my dad made about $100,000 a year and financed and we had three kids and like the whole thing. And, you know, lived in houses and, the, and, and that whole game. And they were very frugal. And what they did is they did exactly this. They lived by this lifestyle and they were able to buy quite a few different assets. Like they have multiple rental properties that pay the rents and pay the mortgages and pay all the all the bills. And basically all, all of my dad's income goes straight into the bank. Now, they didn't stop working, right? Like my dad continued to work and continued to facilitate all of the things that, that you know, we spent money on. 
Um, but we lived a very frugal lifestyle, you know, like we didn't go out to dinner often. We didn't buy creature comforts often. You know, we didn't, you know, we, we were, we spent our money on the things that we needed and the rest of it went into the bank or went into other investments. So I'm very used to it. You know, like you have to remember that based on your background, it's going to be really, um, abrasive to have to look at, at things in this way. Like I was raised in this way. So for me, it's, it's totally normal and makes total sense for me. And, and I see why, for you, it's different because as a person, like you like to have your BMW and you like to have your Tesla and you like to have your, you know, your, your expensive dinners and all those things. And don't get me wrong. I love all those things too, but I'm a lot more hesitant to spend that money on those things because I personally put my money in the bank, right? Or I invest my money and et cetera, et cetera. Not to say that you don't, right? But just different ideologies. What I will say is, like I said, they went off the rails, right? They went a little too far in my opinion, but I think that it provides a lot of good value. Right. Like for for the average American that lives paycheck to paycheck and, you know, has a good income, but all their income goes into, you know, paying for their house and paying for their car payment and paying for, you know, going out to dinner three times a week and paying for, you know, uh, all the little creature comforts, your your Starbucks every morning and all that nonsense. Like there are so many opportunities to put money in the bank or invest your money if you are more diligent and intentional about how you're spending your money. Right. Like the example of Starbucks, five dollars a day that starts to add up. Right. Like they were talking about how it comes out to somewhere around two grand a year over a span of 10 years. You're talking about, you know, 50 grand over a span of, uh, you know, like uh, over a span of, of 10 years, not investing that money. And instead of instead of, you know, buying the Starbucks coffee, you could have gone and invested it. You could have made a lot of money with with that money that you spent on your Starbucks. Right. The the conversation about. Um, you know, creature comforts like having, you know, the, the coolest new iPhone or having the, um, you know, the coolest new car that just came out or leasing a, a $400, $500 lease payment where you could have a really reliable, you know, five to $10,000 car that you drive for a long time or you buy a car for 20 grand and you hold on to it for a while, right? There's, there's a lot of different examples of ways that you can get yourself out of the rat race. Now, for the majority of people, I believe at least, you know, people get bored doing nothing, right? So there's a certain level of like, how do I balance building a net worth that I can choose to stop working whenever I want, but also have the ability to work on what I'm passionate about, right? So I think, I think it's all about balance, like anything in the world, you know, it's all about how you, how you choose to create balance. But I thought that it was really valuable from the perspective of understanding that like, we don't have to live up to the, you know, the, the, what are my neighbors doing? Like how, what's that phrase that people love to use? Keeping, keeping up, with, up keeping, with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like that conversation about keeping up with the Joneses and who has the nicer house and who has the nicer car and who has the nicer watch and who's wearing the new, you know, Adidas track suit or who's, you know, going and buying new jeans every two, two months. Cause they didn't like the ones that they had last month. Right. Like that conversation about consumerism is a big one. You know, in this country, we have more people in, in debt than anywhere else in the world. This is a credit-based economy. And, you know, most people don't have money in the bank to, to be able to cover a, a big life expense, right? Even if they're making $100,000 a year, they don't have that money because they don't think about saving it. They think about spending it, right? They work their butts off and decide to go spend the money. And then they end up in a situation where they're screwed and they have to take on debt. And then they have more debt and the debt compounds because of interest. And you just continue to end up in the rat race, right? So like 
I'm a firm believer in in saving and also investing and you know being frugal, but also spending money on the things that you want to spend money on. And for me, spending is much harder than than saving. I'm I, my go to is saving, right? Like mo- the majority of people, their go to is spending. You know, it's not to save; it's to use the money that they have because it's like the conversation of you know I have it, so I'm going to enjoy my life and I'm going to enjoy it, right? But at the same time, it's like you know, how do you create the most happy life that's going to allow you to be able to focus on what you want to do as opposed to live in the rat race of work to pay the bills to work to pay the bills and continue to be in that cycle um so i thought i thought it was really valuable from the perspective of like understanding that there's a different option you know now do, do i think that everyone should you know drop everything that they're doing and budget out you know, $150 a month for, for groceries and live off of eggs and tortillas? No, absolutely not. I, I'm definitely not a proponent of that. However, is it worthwhile to look at, okay, what am I spending my money on? Do I need this Starbucks? Do I need to go to lunch every day? Can I pack a lunch? Can I make a little bit extra at dinner so that I have something to bring home to, to work or bring to work during the day? You know, can I find a way to, to have a less expensive commute? Do, do we ne- do we need to have four cars in the house? Can we get away with two? You know, do we need to have the BMW or can we get away with like, you know, a, a nice car and then something a little bit more for the A to B, you know, during the week kind of car? You know, like it, it's, it's, they're conversations, right? Like it's a conversation about how to create the most effective lifestyle that'll allow you to get your time back, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, more and more people are working into their 60s and 70s and even 80s. Like people are working, people are working, and you know, it comes to to a point where it's like, you know, what if, if you were a little bit more frugal and you were a little bit more cost conscious during your 20s and 30s and 40s, then maybe you wouldn't have to be working in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, because you'd have something to fall back on. You'd have investments. You'd have, you know, if not necessarily indexes, maybe maybe you go spend money on real estate. And you go buy rental properties that give you passive cash flow income. You know, like there's so many opportunities to create a lifestyle that works uh, for the future that allows you to make your money work for you. And I think that's really the biggest point of this book. The biggest point of this book, in my personal opinion, is creating consciousness about having your money work for you as opposed to you working for money and living in the rat race of like, month in month out you know this month I, I can barely cover my bills next month I can barely cover my bills I got to try to make a couple more dollars here and there and work harder but then I don't have time to spend with my family or with my loved ones or doing things that I like and also like understanding that you know what actually makes you happy like I really love the concept of let's write down my top 10 things that make me happy on a weekly basis right because chances are those top 10 things like for example with you Ross and don't get me wrong I, I'm a car guy I totally get it but like on the top 10 things of things that make you happy, do you think the Tesla would fall into, into, into that category? No. Right. So that, so that conversation, now don't, don't get me wrong, right? Like you, you do well, you have good, you're making good money, you're, you know, you have a great situation where you're investing in a home, like you have the ability to spend $600 a month on your car payment. But what if you were to have a car that you owned outright, that you really, that, that could get you from point A to point B? But you still, you, but you were pocketing an extra six hundred dollars a month, and you could put four hundred of that into an index that would grow five percent year over year. You know, you'd be saving an extra what six hundred dollars times you know twelve months, uh, give or take, what seven grand, eight grand a year 
multiply that by 5% annually, you know, it, the numbers start to add up over the, ch- the term of 10 years. You know what I mean? So, so I think, I think it's just, it's a, and listen, we make choices, right? Like at the end of the day, like if that, if a certain choice and, and, you know, cars, I, I'm a car freak. So for me, I totally get it. Like I want to go, you know, my next car, I'd love to, for it to be a Porsche with two doors, but you know, it, it, at the end of the day, like what really makes you happy? Like what's important in your life? What, what is going to set you up to have the most happy life? And is it the material thing? You know what I mean? And I agree with you to a certain extent, they weren't making good decisions, right? Like if each person in the, in the household is only making eighty to $90,000 a year and you're paying for a boating club and, and renting a, a probably a really expensive apartment in San Diego for no reason for just the two of you and, you know, all these different things, like it just doesn't and, – and, you know, Starbucks every day when there's free coffee at the office and buying lunch every day when you don't need to because you can just, you know, go to the store and make food for yourself or, you know, all these expenditures start to add up. Right, like going to dinner four times, five times a week. Like that's insane. Hundred, two hundred dollars a. You know, I, I went to to go get a, a dinner, two dinners in the last two days, and I honestly it kind of threw me for a spin because I was like, wow, that's a hundred and fifty bucks right there. Boom, like two dinners when you can go to the grocery store and make dinner for twenty bucks, and you'll have enough to last you for three days. Right, so it's just it's. I think it's all about consciousness. It's all about understanding what's in front of you and. What, where you can make adjustments and maybe not necessarily, I don't want to say sacrifices, right? Because it's life and you want to live your life. But at the same time, like where can you, where can you create compromise to the, so that you can have the life of your dreams in the long run and not be a slave to your desk job and a slave to, you know, making a dollar when you have money in the bank that you're stacking up and it, and it works for you. You know what I mean? I agree. And, and that actually kind of leads me into to my next point. So, do you, and this is more of a question to you, do you believe that this book is as powerful for somebody that is in a lower income bracket if their goal is to be financially independent and retire early? And I will I will make this a loaded question because it's what I'm thinking in my head. The, the reason I ask it is these people went from making very good incomes and spending a lot of money, and I mean a lot of money, on unnecessary things. Totally. So that unnecessary income, they were able to now save and invest into an index fund, which a lot of people may not even know about. They, they clearly had a good connection of where to invest this money. There was clearly an advisor involved. So somebody who's making lower income, they may only be able to save $100, $200 a week at the most, Right. Now, granted, if you're saving $200 a week, you're saving maybe close to $10,000 a year, which is still massive. But I wonder, there was never anything really in the book that talked about investing in yourself or, you know, kind of improving upon your own skills to then get to a point where you're financially independent. And if you are able to be successful at you know, one specific thing that will lead you to retire early because there are so many people in the world that are completely financially independent. They have so much money in the world, but they don't retire. Not because they don't have the money to, it's because they don't feel the need to, they don't want to. So I feel like telling someone that if you want to be financially independent and retire early, you shouldn't say the main way to do so is to save. I believe that you should invest in yourself, you should look at other ways to kind of, 
improve and grow. I don't think that saving, while it is incredibly important, I don't think that saving should have been pushed as the number one solution if you want these two things. Does that make sense? Well, I yeah, but I think it's a both and. I mean, look, you got let's say you're a teacher in Midwest America, right? And, and you are making $50,000 a year and you love being a teacher and you want to be a teacher for your career. Like that's what you want to do. You don't want to go and go do something different and go, you know, reinvent yourself because you love what you do. However, at the same time, you're leasing a car and, you know, you're you're going to dinners all the time and you feel like you're strapped every month because you're you're living paycheck to paycheck because you're not paying attention to what's going in and what's coming out. I think it's totally valuable for someone that's like a teacher that that loves what they're doing and plans to do it for a long time to be able to look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, well, if this is really what I want and this is what makes me happy in life and this is what I want to continue to do but I don't want to be a slave to my dollar, let me look at what money is coming in and what money is going out and where can I make compromises for the future so that I can continue to live the lifestyle that I want to live, a happy lifestyle, maybe not a frivolous like a luxurious lifestyle, but one that's going to that's gonna give me security and give me the freedom to say, okay, well, you know, I'm 50 and I'm tired of working and I have money in the bank and I'm going to let my investments work for me. You know, like I think it's totally valuable for someone like that. I think it's also valuable for, for someone that makes a lot of money in sales or is willing to reinvent themselves, but I think it's less important for someone like that than it is for someone in the lower to middle income um, with the, you know a, a nine to five or a specific job that they love doing and they want to continue to do forever, right? Like not everybody wants to go and re reinvent themselves. Sometimes the reinvention comes more from the perspective of you know being happy with what you have and being able to to love what you're doing and not have to worry about money. And if if you're in a position where you know you really love what you're doing and you just want to be in a better financial position. You know, but you're being frivolous with your spending and you're not paying attention to what's going in and what's coming out and you're not, you know, diligent about how much you're spending on, you know, food and on transportation and on, um, you know, on uh, your living situation, then I think that this is totally valuable, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, you could probably find a more affordable place to live. You could probably find a more affordable method, affordable method of transportation. You could probably find uh, a way to save a couple bucks on food so that you're not going to the grocery store and spending $50 on a bottle of wine or going to, the, you know, going to dinner, going out to dinner, you know, four times a week because it's easy, right? Like there are so many opportunities to create, um, you know, a, a more substantial financial backing for yourself by just looking at these expenses, right? Like you have to understand Ross, like we're the outlier, we look at our numbers. We're constantly in the market. We're constantly looking for new opportunities. We're constantly looking for ways to reinvent ourselves. The majority of people don't have the patience and or the desire to do that. They just want to live their life and feel happy. And half the time, you know, they're they're just living paycheck to paycheck because it's all they know, but they don't go and go do a balance sheet of how much money they're spending and how much money is coming in. They don't go and look and say, okay, well, let me look through my credit card statements and see, you know, what I'm spending my money on. They just see plastic and they say, I want something. They slide the credit card and they end up in debt. You know, it, it's you have to understand that not the, the majority of people do not look at life the way that we look at life, right? Like we are, 
we are go-getters. We are, you know, people that are willing to go out on a limb and reinvent ourselves and learn something new and stay up until four o'clock in the morning learning something to potentially create some sort of positive or, you know, reinvent ourselves by learning something new about a new way to invest or put our money in a different place or do something different. Like that's not the majority of people. It just isn't, you know? Agreed. And and and, and sorry to cut you off because I'm actually going to ask you one more question. And I, I completely agree. The, the reason I have uh, an issue with this book, and if we're talking about this book specifically, my question to you would be this. Is it easier to write a book about only saving? Because I feel, I feel like all this book did was to tell you what your best friends would tell you, which is don't spend your money on that, you idiot. Don't make... This person was spending insane amounts of money on insanely unnecessary items. Whoever is spending money five, six days a week, I think knows that they should not be doing it as much. Granted, it's harder to make the decision to not, but I don't think anything in this book was groundbreaking. Your grandmother would tell you more, stop eating out five days a week. You can make food at home. Stop spending, your dad would say, stop spending $7,000 on this boat. You don't need it. Like, I don't think anything in this book was something that I, I could honestly take Ross. away. That was my issue. 100%. It is so I, listen, easy to say that you. if you want to have financial independence, it's so much easier to say spend less than to find a way to make more. There was nothing here that says improve yourself, 100%. make more, find your passion. It was literally... Find a way to save every single dollar that you can that is not going to destroy your life because in four years and 72 days, you can retire. That was my main issue, right? 100%. Listen, this is the deal, right? Like you have to remember what comes from your friends and your family, sometimes you don't want to listen to. What the, the point of this book is to say, hey, idiots. All that money that you're spending for absolutely no reason that everyone around you continues to tell you that is a dumb reason to spend money when you don't have it, stop doing that. Why? Because this is these are the numbers. This is how, where it all adds up. This is how this is how we did. You know, this is what happened to us. And this is how we're gonna how we changed our way of doing things and what we were able to create from that. A hundred percent. Listen, this is all common sense stuff. You know, invest your money. You let it work for you. Uh, save your money. Don't go spend money on stupid shit. You know, pay attention to how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. It's it, it, there are three main topics. Uh, the, forget everything else in the book. Those are the three points in the book. But at the end of the day, people still don't listen. People still don't understand that. But people why still go into, listen, into thousands of dollars in debt. Why would they listen to a director that has been overspending, lives in a phenomenal place in San Diego that decided all of a sudden, shit, I'm spending so much money on things I don't need. Like, why because is it's, this it's, person... Because it's someone that can relate, that you can relate to them. As, but, as, but listen, that's we saying, we but can't relate it, but to what them. I'm, but what I'm saying is, is it? We make the closest to this guy's income, Right. The average person reading this probably doesn't. Probably makes 40, 50, 60,000 a year. They don't even have the option not nor the problem of do I cancel my boat club? Do I like stop getting on my yacht on the week? Like these are not an everyday person problem. So to cut 
massive expenses like that are the only way that their retirement is coming so much earlier. If you take the average person and you cut their little expenses here and there, their retirement, yeah, will come closer, but you know as well as I do, it's exponential. It's not gonna go from 20 years down to, you know, four or 10 like this guy's did. It would go from 20 to maybe 17. You know, it's not gonna be massive in that sense. So my issue was, this, I don't understand why you would listen to this person more than your friends and family because you're saying this is a wealthy because guy that because, lived in a wealthy because, area that overspent Ross, his money in insane ways. It's because the, of the fact that he's not that person. He's not your friend. He's not your family. He's a random guy that has an experience of doing X and creating Y. It, that's it's that simple, but, right? Like, but of people, all the finance books, I would like like this is a finance book. The, like, the main thing is financial independence. Of all the finance books, this to me, I'm sorry to be ragging on it, this to me is the weakest because all it said to do Absolutely, was, hey, Ross. save money. It Absolutely. didn't have So that's what I'm saying. I agree. Like, it's not, that, it's that, nothing that's revolutionary. That's my issue. No, there's, there's no doubt. And Ross, you have to look at it from a different perspective, bro. You, you have to look at it from the perspective of this is not a book that's going to give you a secret about something in the world. This is the book that's hitting you with a story about a couple and how they were able to change their lifestyle and create a, a way to, 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 to have more time and have more freedom and the, have the ability to do things that they actually wanted, right? And not have to keep up with the Joneses. And think about like our country is, is insane when it comes to consumer debt. Think about how many, how many friends do you, how many people, when you go to the mall and you look at people and what they're wearing, their clothes, and, and you, and you see, see, see yourself like, how, how can you afford this? Why? They, they go and put everything on their credit cards. They, 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 they go spend you know, $500 a month at the mall when they could go to Ross and buy the same stuff for you know, $25. It's, it's, it's this concept that we have to keep up with the Joneses. We have to be, we have to be consumed. It's, it's a consumerist society. I think that is It's not about thing. Right, it's not. It's not about creating. You know, it's not. It's not like it's. You know, it's not like it's. Um, you know, what is it? Un- unshakable, where they're they're giving you an a, a perspective on the on a market, so you can understand that the you know you need to get in it or get out. You know, you can't be in. You can't win with without being in. Right, like that's that's showing you the way. Right. My then, thought then is this. I just. I don't think. We like I said. I don't think he's relatable. I don't think the author is relatable at all. We are the closest. I don't think he's relatable to you, to Ross. This. No, this guy. This guy was making. He was like him and his wife were like mid thirties, right? They were making let's call it like a hundred and thirty thousand, forty thousand after taxes, right? He left college. He graduated college. He left college with like minimal debt. He avoided credit card debt. He had a shit ton of savings, and he talked about it, like. It felt like literally it was a rich guy telling you to save because he's like, I make so much and I'm spending so much on random shit that if I just don't spend it on random stuff, I'm going to retire fucking early. I'm good. My stuff, my life is cool. I'm chilling. Like, I didn't feel like there was too much of overcoming anything. I felt like all he had, the overcoming that had to be done was... Like you said, and, it, and it's a phenomenal thing, is make a list of your top 10, the things that really bring you joy and are really important in your life. That, to me, phenomenal. But I felt like what this guy realized was he's like, I'm making so much money, and I was blowing so much money. Sure. That, that if but I Ross, don't you have blow to understand, all that money. But you have to understand that people, people 
still do that and make half of what he makes. I get it, but it just, it that's, just, that's the point. Just, but we're it, not like I just, that. That's, I just worry that the average reader is going to think the same thing. They're just hearing a rich but, guy but we're saying not, that but I we're spent not the too average, much. Ross. That's the, but the that's point what I'm saying. The, I think, the point I'm I think to get I'm across closer, you're not the average. I think I'm closer, though, to the main demographic that he was pitching to and writing the book to. I think you are as well. So what I'm saying is if it didn't – for you, it hit. I get it. And for me, it didn't, which is perfect because – well, anyone it just who knows, right? anyone like who it's, knows it's, it's something me that I've and you lived by. know that we are very similar financially and very different financially, but we ha- we get to the same point. We have different ways of getting there, which is why I think this book is a phenomenal one for us to talk about because we both have different ways of, of dealing with our money, but it gets us to the same point. We both put risk in certain places, avoid risk certain places, and it, it, it's a beautiful diversity that gets us there. But that was my only thought, was if we're talking purely no, from a saying. book standpoint – my issue, and I guess we'll take it into into closing thoughts a little bit. My issue was, I don't think telling people to save is anything mind blowing. I'm sure there's a million other books on how to save money. Because if you save money the way he's telling you, then yes, you could retire earlier. I don't know if it gets you to financial independence. I think the financial independence only becomes that he you don't have a job, but there's not really like you're making so much that you have passive income streams and you can go on a trip to Greece with your family whenever because that would actually fall outside of what I view financial dependence to him because for him, he would not take that trip because he needs to retire early. So my my issue is this. Final thoughts for me. I don't think the author is relatable because I feel like I'm one of the main demographic. Didn't hit it all for me. Telling people to save feels like a cop-out and easy move. And I don't know um, if it really actually gets you to the main thing, which is financially independent. It may get you to retire early, but there's also cons to retiring early. So I don't think it gets you to financial independence. So that, that is my so, side on yeah, that. Final, so final thoughts for me. Um, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you from that perspective. Uh, the financial independence that me and you think of is not the financial independence that he's talking about. Right? Like we, when we think of financial independence, we think about being able to do whatever, whenever, however, for whatever reason, right? That is not the case here. The case that he's bringing up is we want to be in a position where we don't have to work and can still afford our lifestyle exactly the way it is for years to come. Doesn't improve, doesn't, you know, doesn't get worse. It just, it stays stagnant. And we're not people that want to stay stagnant in any way. So from that perspective, I get it. I agree with you. This book is not ground shattering. It's not earth breaking. It's not anything particularly special, but there are some good tools within it. I think the ten, the ten, the the list of ten items is a good tool. I think the index fund, looking at index funds, is a good tool, especially if you don't understand the market and don't plan on looking into it or want to reinvent yourself to understand the markets and how you can make money within them. I think the index tool is really smart. I think understanding your income to uh, expense ratio and understanding how much you're spending and on what is super important, but it's also very basic, right? Like it's also like 
the basic, basic, basic of finances. Like when you are first looking at your finances, if you are not paying attention to how much money is going in and how much money is going out and what that money is going out for, then you're lost, right? So I think that this is a complete and total foundational book. This is like a the like the the, the underneath the the floorboards kind of book. Like this is like where you start if you are a complete train wreck when it comes to your finances. So it doesn't really fit into our um, into out what we're doing here, right? Like what we're trying to do is we're trying to really take it to the next level and say, okay, we got the basics, right? We understand what it's like to save. We understand how it's how we how we can create new tools to make more money. We understand the financial markets and a basic basic understanding of them. We understand you know what it, what it's like to create cash flow positive investments. This is well, well, well before that. This is like the precursor to the, this is kindergarten, right? This is like kindergarten, basic, basic. Um, and from that perspective, if you're completely lost in your finances and there's a lot of people out there that are, it's not a bad book to read. It's not a bad opportunity to look and say, okay, well, how much money is going in? How much money is going out? What am I spending my money on? Is it frivolous? Is it frugal? Is am I putting am I investing my money properly? Am I setting myself up to win for the future? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Not a bad thing, in my personal opinion. But I agree, not super relatable. I think that they were just a little irresponsible and kind of got slapped in the face with how irresponsible they actually were. And then they said, okay, well, if we're you know if we're this irresponsible with our money, then I'm sure other people are to, which is why they read a, wrote a book and why they created a documentary and why they are where they are. And to be honest, he actually said it in the book too, because it was funny. He went back to Idaho to go visit his family and he was like explaining to his friends this new ideology behind, you know, playing with, you know, f f fire and like how to save money and na, na, na. And his friends were like, dude, like that's how everyone lives. Like, have you lost your mind? Like, what do you mean? Obviously you save your money and you, you, you invest it and you, you know, play it smart and don't be frivolous. Like everyone was telling him like, dude, yeah, duh, this is basics. I think that there's a lot of people out there that could benefit from this, but it's a fundamental building block that we have surpassed a long, long time ago. Um, so I agree with you. I think it was a good reminder. Um, I think it was solid. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend the book. Um, I think that it's for, for someone that – I think it gave me a good understanding of like how to look at things – from the perspective of like, what, where am I spending my money? Where can I cut back? How can I create more efficiencies? Where can I put my money in the market? Where can I, you know, where can I create better efficiencies? Um, but I get it. Like we're a little past it. There's, there's no doubt that this was kindergarten and we're, you know, in high school. So it's, it's, uh, I get it. I get where you're coming from. So with that being said, on that bombshell of uh, disagreement between me and Ross, Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast this week. This was episode 77. My name is Bor Milo. I'm Ralph Sanarelli. This is the 52 podcast, 52 books, 52 weeks, making every single week count. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Take care.